I think you should build a career in data science. Welcome to Build a Career in Data Science. I'm your host, Emily Robinson. And I'm Jacqueline Nolas. This podcast is a data download into all the non-technical knowledge and skills you need to succeed in a data science career. In season one, each episode is about a chapter from our book, also called Build a Career in Data Science. You can buy the book at bestbook.cool and get 40% off with the code BUILDBOOK40%. But if you don't have it yet, you won't get any less enjoyment out of the podcast. Hey, kid. Hey, hey. You want to buy a book? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so now I'm just like the creepy old man. <laughs> Hey, hey. I was band. trying to think if we made that joke, and I don't think I made that joke. I don't yet. think we okay. made that joke. Okay. okay. Yes. Yeah. Come, come back. Uh, <laughs> Bring it back. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so for this week, we'll be covering chapter 15, which is about leaving your job gracefully, um, which I am excited about because I feel like I feel like for folks who are listening to this, who've like had a long career in another field, it's probably not such a big deal. But uh, for folks who are, you know, coming out of school or currently in their first job, like the the leaving a job feels, and it is like a, a really big deal. Yeah. And you know, before we were recording this episode, I was thinking about this earlier today and I'm like, heck yeah, chapter on leaving your job. I've left so many jobs. I'm going to be great at this. And then I remember the job that the, the episode is titled "Leaving Your Job Gracefully," and I'm like, "Oh, I'm woefully underqualified at this. I don't know anything. Like, I should be listening to this episode." Um, yeah, I yeah. <laughs> yes, there's a reason we put that uh, <laughs> that gracefully in there because I mean, so what we're going to talk about is things like deciding when you should leave a job, um, but also like what what does the process look like and. There are, there are better ways to leave jobs that will decrease the likelihood that you're going to burn bridges behind you that maybe you don't know. Sometimes you want to burn those bridges, but sometimes you don't. So You know, you kind of made a comment earlier about how people from other fields may already know a lot of this stuff. But I think, I think enough of this is kind of specific to data science, especially like knowing when to leave things like that. Like, I think there's some like specialness that comes with our particulars about our field that just do matter here. So with that, shall we get into like how to decide when to leave, right? Like that's before you leave a job, you got to decide to leave. Yeah. And I will say, I think this episode is going to have a lot of Jacqueline's story hour because I do have a lot of stories of me quitting jobs (laughs) at various levels of success. (laughs) So I'm uh, just warning you now a little bit. But yes, let's talk about when to deciding when to leave. Yeah. So I think sometimes it can be really clear, right? So as in you really hate your job, you're really unhappy, or you're, you know, you kind of like it, but like compensation has become really important to you, or you want to try something that just isn't available at your current company. So for example, if you want to be a first data scientist and you're on a data science team of 20, you can't really be a company's first data scientist where you are. Um, But I think a lot more time, it's not necessarily that, um, you know, that clear and that there can be a job that you're like, you know, I'm, reasonably happy. Like I don't hate it. I kind of like my coworkers. I do some interesting work and then, but like maybe there are some things that can be, that can be better or like, is the grass greener? And I think those are situations that are much tougher than when it's like, Oh, either I'm like every day I come to my job, it's the best day of my life. I'm never leaving. Or I hate everything about this. I think a lot more jobs fall somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Or maybe to put that another way, for me personally, what I found when it comes to assign a leave, it's like, usually I'm in a job and I'm like, okay, this job kind of sucks. Like, I don't, this isn't doing it for me. But then I have this feeling of like, but am I just being fussy? Like, you know, I like talked down to myself a lot in this process of like, yeah, okay, the job's not that great. 
but all jobs aren't that great, right? Like you're still working for someone else. Like, like it's like, so there's kind of like a talking itself, like, come on, is it that bad? And then I'll like also talking it down yourself of like, is it really that bad here and it sucks? Or is it just this week sucks and you are taking it way too hard and extrapolating that for the next six months? But like, really, if you waited two weeks, it'd get better. And I think in both of those situations, if I think it sucks, then it actually does suck. Like it doesn't... Um, it's not like, like, no, I'm right. It, it is not good. And it doesn't get better two weeks later. But like, my brain still talks down to myself a lot. You know, I think this is, um, I mean, I think there could be situations where someone like, when we talk about people like aspiring data science, we've talked about like, you know, not that like, no, you know, uh, no job is like, perfect, usually. And it's like, oh, my God, like, you know, or, or that, you know, there, there's some job out there where I can do like just everything I want all the time. There's no politics. I get to work on whatever I want. And it's super interesting. And I get all the cutting edge stuff. You know, it's like, okay, <laughs> that that may not be realistic. But I do think many more people fall into with you, which is like listening to the instinct. And also you can do like research, right? Like you can figure out if you think, okay, I'm being underpaid. You can maybe talk to some friends, like look at Glassdoor, figure out, okay, you know, is, is that sort of borne out when I look at other companies or actually is the pay fairly similar um, in most companies from my experience? Or, you know, if your experience is like, oh, I'm working these like really long hours, but is that just what's like everyone does? And you could talk some data science, you're like, oh, no, actually, I know a bunch of people who like can absolutely do nine to five and aren't called in at like 3 a.m. with a text from their manager or whatever. So I think that's one way to start figuring out, okay, if you, I, I think most of the time you probably, as you said, Jacqueline, you probably are being reasonable and you should listen to yourself. But if you're concerned about it, I think you can talk to other people and learn more about maybe what other jobs would be like before, uh, you know, before you jump ship. Yeah, I especially agree the talking to other people. It's often very hard when you're in the middle of a situation to realize how bad it is. And there's a number of times where after I've, only after I've left the job and I'm just like, oh my God, I feel like I'm such a, like, I feel like such a better person now that I don't have that weight on me. And like, oh, that was maybe a sign I should have left earlier. Like, like that's happened. And I guess, in thinking about it, I think there's really three times, three types of ways I have decided it's time to leave. One is I got there and in the first three weeks, I'm like, oh, this is a huge mistake. What have I done? Which I think actually is a very reasonable probability for like a first data scientist, right? Because like, it's like your first data science job because you might not know what the, you know, you don't know what to look for in a company. And so you are likely to fall into a trap of a job that's not a right fit. But I, I will say I've I've done that much later in my career too. So don't feel like you only run into that problem. Um, the second is the kind of one we we're talking about. We're like, you know, this isn't really doing it for me anymore, but I'm kind of like waffling on if I need to leave or, and I have a lot of shame there of like, am I leaving too early? Things like that. And then the last time I kind of leave a job is like something dramatic happens, like some event or two happens at the company. And I'm like, this is like not the place for me. Like, like this, like this stuff's going down and I, I can't be here for this. Um, and that's kind of its own kind of thing. <laughs> Yes. Um, and I, I, I have, I have had that and I have had the like, oh, <laughs> you know, oh yeah, like this is pretty, um, yeah, like this is pretty, you know, reasonable, but it just like turns out like kind of what I've realized I'm interested in is like not really available here. So I do. Okay. So let's talk right about like reasons to leave a job, right? So like one, so we said, right. It's like bad environment, like toxic environment or like something bad goes down. You're like, I got to get the F out of here. Right. Um, and that can be like a little more of that clear cut situation, but I think the other one that comes up, you know, and speaking of like data science for other fields, me a little more is like, are you still learning? Um, so this is both like, you may be a person who really likes to be learning on the job and you don't like to be doing sort of feeling like, oh, I'm just doing things I already know. I'm not growing. Um, but even necessarily, it's not like super your inclination. I do think because 
uh, data science is a pretty, right. It's like a fast growing field. Things are changing. Like you do have to do some amount of kind of, uh, both for new innovations in, um, say, I don't know, like whatever, like how to make visualizations in Python, right. There might be a new package. You might want to learn that, but also for other areas of data science, right. Is to be expanding, like maybe, um, you know, you haven't had any experience with time series. And so it'd be great to get some learning experience there. Just kind of like building out your data science toolkit, um, which is why I think it's a good question to really ask yourself, okay, am I am I still learning here? Because if I do eventually, you know, want to leave, but I've been at a job where I haven't really learned anything new to three to four years, it's probably going to make your job search a lot harder. Yeah. And this one, I would say, there's kind of like a thing where like the more senior you are, the more you can just teach yourself stuff on the own, on your own in general. So like if you're pretty senior in a job and you're a data scientist, they're like, ah, I'm not learning that much. You could just try a new package yourself and like kind of self-learn. Whereas if you're junior, that stuff's not as easy. And so sometimes that is the right choices to like, like I need a whole new environment. So I think this is one that like that reason of like, I'm not learning enough here. Um, I tend to find it like, like, is it that you like, is it that there's really nothing else to learn in that company or you don't have the mentorship availability, whatever, to like kind of do it on your own, which is fine. Um, but just, I would say, if the, the one the caution I would give on this one is like, if you say, you know, I'm doing machine learning and I'm like, ah, I really want to get into decision science. I'm going to look for a job that has decision science experience. It is hard to find a job where they will just hire you to do a thing you're not an expert at yet. And so there's kind of this, like, it's actually much easier to learn the skill if it is within your current job, which we have, like, what, like, chapter three is all about that in this book. But, like, it's hard to just jump into those roles because people won't have, people won't hire you as likely, likely to hire you because they don't have the experience. So, like, the more you can kind of self-motivate and get yourself to learn it within the job, the generally easier it is. Not to say that it's not a valid reason to leave, but, like, there is, it's just easier to do it within a job. Yeah. So I feel like that's like, this is kind of the reasons because sometimes companies ask like, oh, what are you looking for? You know, and it, you know, if you're interviewing, what are you looking for in a new job? Or sometimes like, why'd you leave your old one? And I feel like this is a very like, you know, it can be true, but like a very PC answer to give, right? It's like, oh, I want to like be learning this thing or I don't have the option to learn here. So I want to talk about one that maybe is harder to admit, which is compensation. But I think is a real reason, especially in tech that people leave jobs, which is that unfortunately, so kind of two things. One, unfortunately, it's just, Often how people get very large jumps in compensation, like say like, you know, sometimes be like 30 or 40% or more is by going to a different company. Because even within your own company, often the, the salary bands, if you don't get a promotion, just don't have that range. And even if you do get a promotion, um, you know, it might not either one, you get that promotion and it's less, or you're finding that you can't, you're, you're not getting a promotion and you think you're at a different level. Um, you know, those can be reasons to, you know, that, that people leave and, and that often, uh, and I think this is more common earlier in your career, right? At some point you kind of hit a ceiling, but yeah, you might, or you might decide like, oh, you know, when I took this job, like compensation was the most important to me, but you know, now whenever I'm starting a family, I'm like, you know what, I'm really just, I'm going to go work at that fan or try to work at that fan company. Cause I want that like sweet, sweet stock money. And it's going to pay with the stock, you know, $150,000 more that I'm getting now. So, okay. So a couple of things. One, I've never actually gotten promoted <laughs> in my career. <laughs> I've never been promoted, mm -hmm. but I've changed jobs a lot. And sometimes those job changes got me new titles. And sometimes they got me each time, most of the time they got me more money. So all in all, I did very well for myself, but I've never 
within a company gotten like a promoted or done it the traditional way, which is just to say, and I haven't, so I also haven't left the job because I'm like, oh, I'm not getting paid enough. I want a job that pays more. I've never actually left for that reason. It just so happens that I left for other reasons and then the stuff kind of followed along. So I, I, I think it is good to change jobs in tech more frequently because I do think you get paid more. But I also can't see a scenario where I'm happy in my job and I'd be like, I'm having this job and it's really working out great. I just want more money. So I'm going to go to a job. Cause like for me, I've had so many jobs where it's just like the culture wasn't a fit or the work wasn't right. That like to risk that for comp to me, it's frightening, but I can see why it may be the strategic right choice. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking of, so I can't remember if I mentioned this on podcast yet, but a uh, staff engineer by Will Larson, excellent new book about staff engineering. So basically leadership on the technical track. And he interviewed a bunch of uh, staff engineers and principals for the book. And he said about uh, some of the, so some of the people he interviewed uh, basically, and, and a lot of the women left their job because they couldn't be promoted to staff at the company. So with, with staff, it's often like above what's so-called the career level, which basically means like, okay, you can stay at the level below. So maybe senior, for a decade and you're not going to get fired and like, it's totally fine. It becomes more the exception to get promoted. And they were just finding that like, you know, maybe partly because of the compensation, but there's other reasons why it's just also wanting the recognition, right? Like feeling like you're being undervalued, whether it's compensation or title, or you're not getting certain work. So some people did leave because they just found, they like tried to go up for a promotion. They're like, this is just not happening here. It's important to me. And so, you know, I'm, I'm, even if they were maybe happy in some other parts, it, it just overshadowed it and they ended up leaving. Yeah. So, okay. So I take this back. I've never quit a job for comp. I have quit jobs because I've wanted a bigger, fancier title somewhere else. Like, I think that, right? Because it's not just literally the word. Right, right, right. But it's not just, it's not like, oh, I'm unhappy at this role because my comp's not high. It's like, I'm unhappy in this role because I'm just a senior and I kind of want to like, and so that they kind of tie together, right? Because with that jump in title is a job like you are now learning more because you are in a new role with a new set of responsibilities and you get like comp. So I think, I think that is a good reason to jump. Um, but same job, same like same title, better comp. That to me is like tricky just because you don't know, like maybe it's better comp and everything else is less good, <laughs> but like nicer title. Like there's a longer, there's a lot you can, like that, that I feel like has a lot of more staying power. Yeah. And so I think, um, you know, one thing I want to talk about, right, is like we mentioned like, okay, you know, thinking learning compensation of also thinking about like, okay, when you're thinking about whether to leave, right? Like is, you know, what, what is, um, you know, usually you're thinking about this because like, oh, some things aren't great. And I would say like my advice here is if you can, and if you have a good relationship with your manager to talk to them, because sometimes things that you might think are not changeable actually are. So let's say you've been on a project and you're like, I really hate working in this domain. It's been like months and months, but like the team needs me. I don't know who else could do it or whatever. And so like, I, you know, but I'm really just getting burned out. If you can talk to your manager about that. I remember at one of my jobs, like uh, this was sort of happening with one part and we didn't end up doing this. But my manager said, actually, you know, like, if you want, like, we could hire an intern. And this could be a mentorship opportunity for you, right? And that they could, like, take some of this, like, the, the tasks that are now tedious to you, but would be learning for them. And they could start doing that, right? And that never even occurred to me that, like, that could be a possibility. Um, or your manager could say, okay, we can't do anything. You know, you kind of have to be on this project for another month. But, you know, now that I know you're unhappy, like, I will start, let me start figuring out a way to transition someone else onto this project and to you onto something else. So I do think it's worth at least considering like if you can be, you know, honest with the manager, because you may find some situation that you think aren't changeable, this job actually uh, can be changed in that way. If you're happy with a lot of other things that then you can stay there. So I'm going to, I'm going to challenge, I'm going to expand slash challenge this slightly. 
which is I think you should constantly be this honest with your manager, yes. right? And things are going well. Po- yeah, constantly. I, it's not it's not easy though. I had a very hard it's time not. because there's this like line that's like, oh, only you know, you, you you never bring problems, just bring solutions to your manager. But I think that's sort of and like, okay, maybe you should try I think a solution, but a lot of times you don't have the context, right? Like I was just saying, like I didn't I would never have thought of hiring an intern. So also I don't have the power to do that. <laughs> I think I think the advice of bring solutions, not just problems, is wrong. Like, I do not agree with that advice. Well, like, I, I think guess, that is advice. Yes. Yeah. But people hear it, right? But it's out there. And I think this is one reason people don't bring problems to their manager because they're like, oh, I don't have a, or like, I, you know, right. I don't want to be seen as complaining. Right. So I, but I'm going to, so, so I agree with you. I just want to expand it, which is you should be talking to your manager about this, but not just when stuff's bad, when stuff is good, because like, it should feel just as natural to be like, hey, I'm really struggling with this thing. Then it should be to that. And that's, it, as you point out, it's hard. I struggled with this a lot. I think I, I've solved this problem myself personally, but like I really struggled with this at first. But like if people don't know that you're struggling with stuff, then they won't help you fix it. That said, there are lots of companies where they have a culture of, oh, I don't want to hear your problems. Yeah. That's probably a sign you should quit, <laughs> right? If you're like, look, I'm struggling with this and it's not great. And they're like, I don't need to hear it. I got too much going on. Great. That's not a, that's not a healthy environment. Yes. Yeah. I would say probably one of the, I, I've actually heard this and this, I sort of do agree with why right? it's like people don't quit jobs, they quit managers. And I do think there's some truth to that. Your manager is so important, right? To like your growth opportunities at a, at a, at a company, right? Just the team dynamics, your happiest, like uh, so many things. So I honestly, and if you're at a big company, one of the advantages, like let's say Google is, I think it's easy. It, it is at least possible kind of to switch managers because there are like many teams or maybe even one pretty adjacent. This is obviously much harder at like a small startup or even like a mid-sized startup because you may be the only, right? There may only be a couple analytics managers or maybe even just like the one you have. And so there's no one, either there's no one to switch to or you can't do it without it being super awkward. It's just not a thing that happens. Yeah. And even at a big company, it's not always easier to get a new job internally than it is to get a new job at a different company, right? Um, But I agree 100% with the people don't quit jobs, they quit managers. I think the majority of times I've quit jobs is because of I don't align with the manager. Um, But I mean, I do... I, I have been in situations and I've had people who are working for me in situations where it's just like, it's clear that the work that they were doing is not aligned with what they want to do in a job. And like, that's fine. You know, like, and a good manager should be able to have someone leave and be able to take that gracefully. Um, and so that's why I think it's not as big of a deal to bring this stuff up with them because a good manager, when hearing an employee being like, hey, I'm struggling with X, Y, Z, they should be like, okay, cool. I understand that. You might leave. I'm going to prepare for that. And I'm going to try and fix the problem too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, okay. So we've talked a lot, right. About like how you make the decision to leave. But I think one thing people struggle with is like how soon is too soon. Right. Um, and so usually what I kind of think about, right. Is as sometimes this can come up, right. As in like, maybe you just joined a job or it's like a month or two and you're like, this is miserable. Like how will it, how will it look to either have either put this short stint like on my resume or have, you know, a, a gap if you decide kind of not to put this and I think kind of worrying, is this going to, am I going to be able to find another job or is this going to be a big red flag to employers? So I, um, so I will say first, more than maybe any other aspect of career stuff, the am I leaving two jobs jobs too quickly thing plagued me. I've been doing, well, I've been over 10 years or whatever, I'm, I've been on the field. This one always gets me. I'm constantly like, are people not going to hire me because I haven't been in jobs long enough? I think people have hired me more easily because of all the experience I've had. Like, I actually think in practice it has played out very well for me. And I think that 
you know, my jobs have been between one and two years. The, you know, sometimes companies went down, sometimes I left, blah, blah, blah. But like, it hasn't, it hasn't really showed up that much with people being like, hey, we're not going to hire you because your jobs are too short. And at some level, it's kind of moot because if you're interviewing or not passing interviews because you have too short of a stint, then you will stay there for longer. And and if you if they hire you, even though you have short stints, that's great. It didn't matter, right? Like, it's like, you can wait this problem out in some sense, right? Like, and that really, it really just bugs me. Yeah, I do think, so you mentioned like sort of between one and two years, and that's about what I, like my last two jobs. I will say if I have heard multiple under one years could be a potential red flag. Um, and the reason why employers would maybe care about this is it takes, you know, a long, a long time, a lot of resources to hire and onboard. And so they're worried, okay, basically you only start providing value back for the company, maybe five, six months in. Um, and so we're worried, okay, if you, if you quit nine months in, right, then we've like lost most of it. That, so that's what I would maybe think about for leaving before a year that said, like, if it's a toxic work environment, if it's something that's bad for your mental health, and if you're able to either quit and have money to support yourself, or if like Jacqueline's saying, if you're getting, if you, if you put some feelers out and you're getting interviews, right. And you're like, okay, actually I could, like, it seems like that, you know, I'll, I'll be able to get a job. I certainly think having this happen once, like I, I, I am, I have seen more people like understanding, like sometimes there are just like, like people are just escaping bad situations. Right. And yeah. so like, you know, a couple months, you know, shouldn't necessarily be, uh, you know, red flag, oh, this person's flighty or a quitter or whatever. It's like, no, this person was like escaping a really bad environment or just a big, big mismatch and maybe what was yeah. promised and what the job was. So you fell into my conversation trap, I guess is what I'm realizing. It's like, I have very strong opinions about this. So I'm just going to say them at you, even though you're not the recipient, which is I've seen more people, including me, but not just me, who have been hurt by the advice of you need to stay in jobs for a long time. Otherwise people won't hire you. Then I have seen, like, I've seen more people hurt by that advice than helps because there's so many people who get stuck in bad jobs. They're like, this job's terrible. I go home every night and cry, but I don't want to leave because I haven't been here for a year yet. And it's like, that's not good. And meanwhile, the people who do have a lot of short stints, it's not like if you told them, oh, stay longer at all those short stints, they would have stayed longer. It's like, no, usually there's some deeper issue going on that's unrelated to the stints. And all the stints do is let people know the employers, you know, maybe pick up on, hey, there's there's something going on here. And so I, as a person who's been plagued by this, like my whole career, I've been frustrated, you know, I've been anxious about this. I don't think people should take, like, I think a, a, a less than one year stint is fine. I've seen people with their first data science job, they were in it for less than a year. And they still, like, data science people who have any experience at all are so valuable that, like, as the time of this recording, that, like, that person, like, they had one less than a year stint, and they were still super easily finding a second job. So, yeah, I just really, really hate this advice of, like, stick it out in the crummy situations. Like, Yeah, ugh. don't do that. And also, we'll say in tech, like, you know, we talk about short job since, right? It really is like under a year, like one and a half to four years, totally normal to like switch jobs in those time. I don't think even people like call those short, whereas maybe in other fields they would. Yeah. Yeah. And you can, here's a, here's a hot tip. If your thing's less than a year and it's all in the same calendar year on your resume, yes. you can be like, and the job before was 2015 to 16. And the next job was 2016 to 17. There was yep. a four month stint in there and no one knows about it. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah. Agreed. You can, yeah. yeah. So I, I wouldn't, I, I totally, yeah. Put, put your health first. Right. Um, and, and then also I, yeah. Uh, and yeah, not, not worried too much, but I wanted to address it because I have seen people really I agree. about it. No, I yeah. think that's good. But I think you're right that in tech, it is like one and a half to four is normal. So like, 
Don't the worry bar about is, those. Yeah. <laughs> the bar's not right. super high. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like most jobs, if you're not like, like you said, right, there's this set of jobs where you're like, you're miserable, you're crying at night, like, I just want to leave Joe's. But like, all the like, most jobs fall into like the okay, where like, okay, you can like stick around for a year, right? Yeah. You can like come say DC, you have like decent teammates, you like win stuff on the side. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, sorry, that, there's a broader point I wanted to make that this reminded me of, which is just that um, everyone's importance of work is different for them. So like for me, mm. I like, I super care about work. Cause like work is fun math puzzles, right? Like, and like, <laughs> I just love it. Um, but there are people who like work is a thing you go to for eight hours so you can have fun at night. Like you have money to have fun at night. Yeah. And depending on how much you care about work really changes how quickly something like, you want to leave, right? Like if a job isn't good, right? And so for me, I think a lot of the reason why I do have faster jobs is because my bar, because I care so much about fun math puzzles, my bar for like, what is a good job is really high because if I don't like something and my job really is passionate and matters to me, I want a different job. But that's okay. Everyone has a different level of how much they care about their job. And I don't think that I necessarily have the right level, probably not the right (laughs) level. Like, so, so I think that's okay. Yeah. With that, shall we take a break? Sure. It's 2021, and we're a culture that cares about identity. We're more creative, outspoken, and we know who we are. And what a better function to use this year than the identity function. The identity function takes exactly what you give it and gives it right back, just like an Instagram filter for your values. So use the identity function today and identify yourself. (laughs) (laughs) The most useless function. Yes. Uh, Or the most useful. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Um, So I promised Jacqueline story time. And so um, here is a story. So I actually, my first job out of, after my master's, like my first real job in industry, um, like three weeks in, I'm like, this was a huge mistake. Like I went to a math, like I was a math major. I learned all this math stuff. I use in MATLAB. And then this job is mostly like Excel and PowerPoint. And I'm like, this just isn't landing at all. And I remember having a panic attack about this. And what's weird is now in retrospect, about half of that panic attack was just, I didn't know anything about how industry works. And like, actually, like Excel is just a large part of any job, more or less. And part of it was no, actually, objectively, that was a bad job. But I didn't know that at the time. So I had a panic attack. And I was super stressed, like, can I leave? Can I switch? And this one year thing super got to me. But I ended up quitting 11 months so one month away from the year. And I remember like having just a big panic of like, are employers going to like this? Are they not? But I ended up getting a different job. And the second job I got actually had even less math. There was even more Excel. And so I kind of have this weird, like, is it a good move? Is it a good decision to move to a different job to learn more tech? Because you don't really end up knowing what you're going to get. But also, like the one year ended up fine. And also, I think objectively, the first job was bad. So like, there's just, there's a lot, you know? And I think I... I bring a lot of baggage with me to this conversation. Yeah. And that, I mean, I think is why it can be sort of scary to leave a job. Cause like you said, there's no way to really know what it's going to be like until you're in the job. Right. So you're leaving for like, you know, a pretty well-known, uh, you know, okay, I know what my day to day is like here. I know what the problems are. I know what I'm happy with, but yeah. What if the next one is worse? Right. Um, yeah. either like the parts I'm happy with, they don't have that. Or it's even, I, I'm trying to like, yeah, get more math work to that. Nope. Even less here. So I think that's why it can be really scary. And I don't know that there's really a solution to that besides like, obviously you can do things like, you know, ask questions in your interview. If you, you don't know anyone who like, you know, has worked on that team or, or, or whatever, you can talk to them. You can try to read Glassdoor reviews, but yeah, there's really no way you can really truly know until you're actually in that job. So it's always going to be a bit right. of a risk. Right. I will say, I think as I've gotten older or whatever, I think I've gotten better at trying to tell in advance, 
But I do think that you never know. It's and like you just have to accept that you each time you roll the dice and eventually you roll enough dice enough you'll get a job you like. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about like the logistics of leaving. Cause again, thinking about especially like or I think back, so I will take a little story time myself with like Etsy. Um so you know, right, that was my first job at a school, and I remember I like decided to leave and I told my manager. And then I messaged like one of the teammates I wrote, I, I worked with pretty closely and asked if like, oh, we have like a meeting, you know, later today. because I wanted to, to tell him. Um, and he wrote back immediately, are you, are you leaving? Um, and I was like, oh no. Cause like my manager, like later emailed me to say, Hey, can you wait till like, you can talk to our skip level manager to tell anyone. So I was like, oh no. Like I, even though I didn't like tell this person, they figured it out. Cause I guess they were like, why is she scheduling a meeting? Like this one-on-one meeting this afternoon. Um, so I don't know. I think all that to say, I think it'd be a little stressful to figure out like, how do I do this? Well, um, I also remember I was stressed of like, you know, cause I'd worked, even though I was only there for about a year and a half, I'd worked with a fair amount of people between people on the search team, and the analyst team. So I was like, do I have like individual meetings with each of them? Right. Like to, to tell them. Um, so I at least was like pretty, it was like a little bit stressful, even once I made the decision to like figure out how to, how to, you know, execute it. And also my learnings from that was the thing I did well, and I would recommend is telling your manager first, um, before you tell anyone else and, uh, plan to give two weeks notice. Um, so like, that's what I did. Or in my case, it was three weeks, like give them a little bit of a heads up. Uh, it's kind of like standard in the U S the two weeks. Um, and you don't have to tell everyone in person. Uh, so like, I think how it ended up being was I told a few of the people I worked closely with and I, and I liked that. Like I liked getting the chance to like talk to them one-on-one, especially people I ended up being friends with after I left, but also you can see like different companies do it differently. I think in my case, like the manager shared it in our weekly analytics meeting, other companies, um, uh, you know, like where I'm now, they kind of share, like your, your manager shares like the departures of other people on the tech team, um, in our weekly meetings, uh, you know, and you'll usually, it's pretty standard to send an email, um, with like your contact info or whatnot, and your goodbye note for, you know, anyone who, who might not have heard through those channels. So I will say a couple of things first, I agree, like tell your manager and then see if they tell people. Um, I think if after a very short period of time, you do not see movement. I would feel free to start telling other people. Yeah, Um, and they should communicate with you, right? Like you can talk to your manager about like, oh, hey, what's the plan for like letting people know? And they might ask, hey, can you wait a few days so I can tell these people in this meeting? Yeah, I I think that's true. But I've also been at companies where they just like forgot to tell people. And then you have to spend (laughs) like the last two weeks just awkwardly being like, so I guess I'm here and I'm just not going to be. And that's not, that's not great. So like, um, yeah, and I will say I had... I had maybe guilt at first on my first few quitting yes, jobs of like, emotions. yeah, yeah, I had guilt, but now I'm like, no, nah, pe- I've realized if people liked me, then they are generally happy for me to do something that makes me happy. Like, you know, they'll miss you and yeah. whatever, but you're not dying. Like, like, you know? Um, yeah. And I think that's a, like the most, like leaving your job is totally normal. Right. And I do think it's, it's also normal for like, you know, people with their first job to feel guilty or like you're like, betraying your team or your company. But no, like you said, if they're kind of like good people, they should be happy for you. It's just like a normal part of the working world, right? They'd be unable to hire anyone except new grads if no one ever left their job. So uh, yeah, I I think not like, you know, you want to leave it well, hence the gracefully in the title. Um, But, but don't feel like, you know, Oh, you're, you're like betraying them. Even, even if like, look, even if it's like a busy period, even if like someone tries to make you feel guilty, don't feel guilty because companies don't feel guilty when they fire people. Yeah. Yeah. Your manager might, but the company doesn't. You have another bullet on here that I want to talk about. 
which is yeah. leaving without another job lined up. Oh yeah, I've never done this. It scares me. I've done it twice. Twice Good for you. <laughs> yeah, it's twi- is it? Maybe. Um, <laughs> it worked out. I will say this here. Okay, I'm. This is there's like. I think more than any other episode, this episode's weirdly hitting me of like, this is like weird rich business people, like career advice is like, just (laughs) like, just falls on this topic. And like, one of the things is, is like, don't leave a job until you have another one lined up because you may not get another job and you want money, which is like objectively true. But also there are lots of situations where it's the right call to leave. And I think that sometimes in your heart, you know, when it's the right time. I would like to share one time I left one of my, one of my times I left without having another job lined up. I, um, was a manager at some point, and I found out that on my team there was a, a male data scientist and a female data scientist with the same role, and they had it for roughly the same time. But the man was getting paid more, and the two employees came to me, and I went to the CEO and pointed this out with like CC them and being like, "This isn't right." And the CEO basically is like, "What's not right is you bring this up in a public way." And I said, "See ya." <laughs> like, this is not a company I want to work at. If that's your opinion on um, gender gender disparities. And you know what? At the time, I had guilt about this, right? Like, because all the business creepy advice is like, don't leave another job lined up. But I think that was my finest hour. Like, I am so <laughs> proud I did that. And I also think that um, data science for people who have one or more jobs experience is very easy. Like, it's very, that is very much easier to find a job in than many other things. And like, it can work out. And it's not like, I don't know, for me, that was the right moment to like, put my morals on the line as opposed to like, well, I hadn't stayed at this job for a year or like, well, you know, you don't have another job lined up. Like it's yeah. just, you know? <laughs> yeah. I will agree with that. I will also add, be careful of, cause sometimes this, like that was like, they said like public, but I assume was still prior within the company. Look, sometimes things, you know, especially in tech racing, big ethical issues happen where I think people do judge others. Like, why isn't this person like, why didn't they quit? right away when this mm. happened. I do want to say like, yeah. being understanding of like, one of the biggest ones is people who are on visas. Like can't, like if they quit, they get kicked out of the country. Right. Uh, the other thing is like, look, I think, you know, often if you're an experienced data scientist, like hopefully, you know, if we'll do a bit of financial advice, like if you can try to save up an emergency fund, because that is useful in situations like this, right. There's other folks who maybe like recently out of school or have a lot of student debt who like, can't not have a salary. Like, even if you're, even if the job market is great, you're not going to get a job in like two days, right? Like the interview process just takes longer, right? And it takes a longer yeah. to like have a start date. So you do have to be prepared for like probably at least a month and maybe a few months if you're picky of being without a salary. And so that's like, but that's why I do advise people to have what's called like an FU fund, right? Which which does mean if there come situations like this where you're like, I can't be here anymore. Like you have the financial means to keep yourself afloat until you can find your next job. Yeah. And, and just to a thing you were kind of talking about earlier, I would never judge another person for not leaving a job without another lined up. Like I, I, that was a privilege I got to have because I was very lucky by having a feel that the blah, blah, blah. Like I have a, like I have earned the, or like I have the privilege of the ability to quit a job like that, but I don't, I would never ask someone else to be like, well, why don't you just quit that unethical, whatever, you know, like, I don't think that's the right thing to judge people about, but if you are in a scenario where you have a, where you are like, should I just leave this job right now? Because this is not right for whatever reason. I think that common business consensus of don't leave until I have another one lined up is overly conservative. Yeah. I do want to ask one thing that I've occasionally thought of, which is like somewhat related is like you, you quit the job, but then you start looking for another one. I'm, 
I don't think you've done this, but I'm curious to know folks who've like quit and intentionally took like, say like three to six months or a year off to like travel or just because they're burned out or like to do hobbies or whatever. Right. And like, you know, not, not trying to job search right away. And do you then think going, it would be that yeah. different? I'm not sure it would be that different. <sighs> I don't know. I think it scares me a little more because you sort of worry like, oh, I have this like gap because it's going to be a longer gap on your resume, right? If you're intentionally taking six months off. And I think people can worry of like, oh, well, my skills go rusty. But that said, I saw, you know, the great source of all knowledge, like a Reddit thread. Um, and people, people were saying in tech that like a couple people chimed in who did this. And they say, honestly, because of the job market, this is pre-COVID. Um, so maybe it's a little different with, with COVID, although things are getting better. But they were like, honestly, the job market for someone with experience is pretty good. And people are also like, and, and they like asked me about my travel in the interviews, right? It was a talking point. Yeah. And it wasn't seen as a negative. Yes, I could see that. And especially three to six months, like you just don't put the months on your resume, just put things in years. Like I lived, <laughs> I was in the last job until 2016. No one will even notice that depending on how the years fall. Um, yes. But I do also think that like, I think all of these things together, like all these little bits of advice, don't leave out something lined up, have a FU fun. Blah, blah, blah. Like all of these are objectively, like they, they are true, but in aggregate are make for an extremely conservative person. And I think yes. it's okay. Like to take like, yes, as you point out, I'm like, it's probably better for you long-term to get three months of refreshment than to get burnt out because you're afraid to take three months, you know? Yeah. And I think all of these are right. Like individual situations, right? It's like, oh, like taking the three to six months off, right? Like if you use your healthcare, okay. Like, can you get Cobra? Like that costs money. Or do you have a spouse that works? You'll still have their salary or their healthcare or whatever, right? Like, you know, look at your individual situation, but exactly don't feel like, oh, I must strictly follow these very like conservative rules. Um, so you know, we've been talking, right, all about basically voluntarily quitting your job. And I did want to touch briefly the other way people leave jobs, which is getting fired. Um, and this has not happened to me, but uh, I've been through three rounds of layoffs at previous companies. Um, and so those were basically like larger layoffs where in some cases it had to do with individual performance, but mainly, but sometimes it was just like, we're just cutting this department or we just need to like you know, and you could have been the best possible person doing that job. And the company's financial situation meant they could no longer afford to like keep paying the salaries and the benefits, et cetera, of all these people. And they had to cut 10% of their workforce. Um, Wait, so were that, you, were yeah. you one of the ones that were cut? No, were cut? I, no, 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 oh. I wasn't cut. Yeah. Oh. You're so excited. Yeah. No, I wasn't okay, cut. Yeah. Uh, and either of them. So I, I have not been fired. So I think there's, there's that situation where it's maybe a little bit of individual, but often big thing. And then there's, I think the more uncommon situation and that should never, ever be a surprise, whereas the mass layoffs might be a surprise. The more uncommon one shouldn't be a surprise is, is there's not a mass layoff and you just get fired because you're not performing at the right level. And why I say this should not be a surprise is like you should, like companies sometimes have performance improvement plans, right? You should have been getting feedback that, hey, you're not performing as we expected. Like, here's what you need to do. And if you do get fired for performance issues and like this has never come up before. That is a huge like red flag for the company and like a huge negative sign for the manager. So I would not worry about if you've only heard positive feedback or just a few, you know, normal constructive things. Don't worry about it. That said, mass layoffs do like the one at Etsy, like it was, it was a surprise to people. And I think that was, you know, it was like announced that day and people did not, like I said, cause even if you know it was coming, like you didn't, and, and they couldn't announce it before. And because it's a public company and this was like, whatever, you know, important shareholder news. So anyway, it, it can, what I sort of just mean to say is it can sometimes happen to anyone, even if you've been performing well, which is kind of a scary thought. I, in my head, I really think these are like totally separate things. I think layoff yeah. of your let go because of our company's budgets or whatever. Right. 
is like that's the thing. And I, I had that happen once, and it was like yeah. it's just it's weird, but that's fine. Like there's it's just like sometimes but how are your emotions. Play? I mean, did you were you able to sort of brush it off as like oh well, or did you feel like I don't know any because I, I feel like even people in the situation can feel like maybe even if you know it's not bad like shame or like panic or, or just like other it's like emotional stuff. The thing that sucked for well, actually, it was both great and awful was I found out about a month and a half before it actually happened, <laughs> which meant I had time. Like we got severance anyway, so it would have been okay. But I got extra sure. time to look. But it was terrible because I couldn't tell anyone. And so I had to like mm. keep pretending and typing my numbers on my computer, even though I know none of that mattered. And that was not fun at all. Um, but the firing thing. So earlier in this episode, we talked about how you were like, hey, it's hard sometimes to tell your manager when you don't like stuff. Right. Managers have that problem too. Some managers don't tell their employees when they're doing stuff badly because they're afraid yeah. of upsetting their employees or can't talk. And sometimes people try and say stuff in both directions, employees to managers, managers to employees. Sometimes people try and say stuff and just the communication is not there. The person can't articulate the point clearly or the person, the other person can't like move their ego aside to hear it, right? Like sometimes they're like, hey, I'm really struggling because this job doesn't feel like a good fit. And your manager is like, they saying I'm not a good manager. And right? like sometimes ego like gets in the way. But the point is this is really hard for people sometimes. And I could totally see universes, and I'm sure this happens, where people are surprised they're fired because their manager has been upset with their work, but their manager can't communicate that clearly because their manager is yeah. a coward or whatever. Um, so I agree it should never be a surprise, but it might be. Yeah. <laughs> Not that you should like be like, stay up awake at night like being afraid, <laughs> but like, but I would say more broadly, I think if you are fired... I don't, I think my advice to someone who would be fired, especially as a data scientist, is probably like try not to take it as you are a bad data scientist and take it instead as this job, for whatever reason, people didn't think it was a good fit. And maybe it's because you're like your skill set isn't quite a match. They wanted someone more decision science in your machine learning. Maybe it's the personalities. Maybe your manager is just a jerk and like prejudiced and they didn't like you because of their prejudices, but something there wasn't a right fit. And, you know, the, understanding that what the, the problems were is helpful, but it doesn't necessarily like reflect on you, like as a person. Yeah. And I'm glad, you know, you mentioned severance, right? So I didn't want to mention that as it's fairly common, certainly in like the mass layoff situations to give at least a month and I several months of severance. So basically you're, you know, right. You, you're, you're fired. You don't work anymore, but they're giving, they're paying your salary for additional months and healthcare extensions and other stuff. Uh, so that helps a little bit with some of the logistics, but I do want to ask, how did you, did you say that you were, you'd been let go, like when you were interviewing or, or do you think people should, or is it okay to just say like, oh, oh we decided it wasn't a good fit. So what happened was my branch. So what happened was my like department, my like sub company, I was, my company was part of a much bigger company and they just laid off that entire division. And so what I would tell people is like, yeah, that whole business went under. I didn't do it. It wasn't because of me, but it went under. So I made a joke out of it and everyone laughed in the interviews and stuff like that. But I do think I have no shame in saying, and then the company had layoffs. Like, oh, yeah. that has nothing to do with me. Why would you not hire me? Because the company had layoffs. You know, like, yeah. that's why. And I don't think that's perceived negatively at all. I agree. And I would, like, and I would say there have been times, I, I, there have been times where me and my company parted ways because it was not a good fit. Um, and what I will say, what I would say in interviews and people are like, so why'd you leave that company? is I would say it was just clearly not the right fit for me. Like, it's just clear that like what they were looking for in a candidate and what I had to offer was not aligned. And I just say that openly and yeah. honestly. And people are like, okay, cool. And like, you know, I have enough other experience and stuff to let, like rely on that that didn't 
it wasn't a big deal. But I do think the like, just honestly, honestly, this just that job wasn't a right, right fit, I think is the what I found to be the best approach. Yeah, so I think overall, right, with like, being fired, it's mass layoffs do happen sometimes, right? It can be hard to, to predict if they're going to happen at all, and if it affects you, but totally normal to talk about it. Ideally, you should never be fired for individual performance reasons. Like have it, or you should never be. It should never be a surprise if you were let go because of that. Um, but you might because you have a crappy manager who can't communicate, and that is not your fault. Um, yeah, and just like you know, it, it happens, right? It's it's you know, this can be like a normal thing, and you know, again, ideally, you have like the kind of fu fund or other stuff that can like you know help help keep you afloat, and you don't have to panic. But um, yeah, don't don't stress too much, and and don't. Uh, also, it's normal if you're someone, I, I still have this on ice where it's like if your manager like messages you and be like, hey, are you free to meet? And you panic because you think you're getting fired. I have heard that from a lot of people. So that's also normal. <laughs> yeah. And I would say, I mean, maybe like the summary, super summary recap of this episode has been so far. Like, look, quitting is messy, right? Yeah. Knowing when to quit. Sometimes people force you to quit or whatever. Like, it's messy. And I don't think there's clear answers. And anytime you do hear someone say like a very, well, here's how it should be. That's almost certainly not true. Yeah. Yeah. Before we wrap up, I do want to, cause we've talked some about the gracefully part, but I do want to touch a little bit. Okay. You gave your notice, right? We talked about it. I gave you notice. Well, like, what do you do in those last two weeks? Right. Cause as you said, like, well, you had that really awkward experience. You're totally getting fired. You're there for a month and a half. Um, so I would say part of the gracefully is trying to like, you know, be on how you notify people leave things on a good note is to the extent you can, right? Like if there's, you know, project files that, you know, someone else can be taking over that project that currently live only on your computer, like put that at GitHub, right? If you're the only person that has the password to this database, make sure someone else has it. Um, you know, if, if your project's getting handed off, it'd be nice if you like write a little readme that like guides someone through, you know, the files or you take a little time to organize them, right? So just like trying to leave you know, look, like it's, it's unlikely you're going to leave and like all of your projects have been tidily like wrapped up and like no one's going to miss you at all. Like probably you're providing value because you're in the middle of stuff. Um, but to the extent you can, it's help. And your manager should help with this in terms of like the formal handoff who should work, who should like work on certain things. Like I wouldn't necessarily worry, oh, I got to find someone who'll take this project. That's your manager's job. But you can help give that project to the other person like in as good a shape as possible. Yeah, I think that's true. And like, don't do new stuff because you won't be around to support right, it. Don't do new stuff. <laughs> don't volunteer either, right? Like, it's just don't like, oh, and I'm going to do all this extra stuff. Like, well, like, don't like do lots of extra stuff. Just do, I think do the like documentation and like good housekeeping and then just wait. And if people ask you to do stuff, do that. Otherwise, just kick it back. In my last job when I quit, I <laughs> I just, I just spent the, it was all virtual. So I just spent the last few weeks making art for employees I liked. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, like, like whatever. Yeah, <laughs> Is that like, normal? I don't like, know if that's normal. Yeah. Well, no, I, maybe not making art, but like people don't give you new stuff because you're leaving. So I would say, like, my last week at Etsy, there's almost like, do so. One of the things I did was just like meet with people, right? I just like chatted with folks, um, you know, and that's also like totally normal to have some, you know, one on ones or whatever as you, uh, I, I don't have the skill to make art for my colleagues. So I, do that. <laughs> I don't think that's a standard data science requirement. Okay, shall we take a break? Okay, so for this week's game, we're going to do an improv game. An improv game. Um, So we're going to do a game where we're going to improvise putting in two weeks notice. And one of us is going to be the boss. and One of us is going to be the employee. And we have exactly one minute to do it. Okay, quick game. Um, 
It's got a Have you taken improv classes, Jacqueline? I, w- I was in my college's improv team. Oh, I thought I was like, I have vague recollections of this. Yes, I've never done it. So see how it goes. Okay. So which one do you want to be? Do you want to be a... <sighs> hmm. I don't know. Do you have a preference? I can't decide. No, re- I think it's harder to be the person quitting. So I think yeah. I will oh. do that since it's my game. Okay. I'll be the manager. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, so I'm going to set a timer and then I'll let you know. Um, hey, Emily, um, I just want to let you know that um, I-, I decided to put in my two weeks notice. Oh, hey, hey, Jacqueline. Um, thanks for letting me know. I, I have to say it takes me a-, a little bit by surprise. I thought you were-, you were pretty happy here. Yeah, you know, I really liked working with you and I like my coworkers. But, you know, I'm just finding that doing this machine learning, you know, I'm just kind of um, I was looking for something a little different and new. So I, I-, I got a new job doing more uh, more analytics kind of work. Yeah. I mean, hey, there's some analytics projects available at the company. Like, would you consider staying? I can look and see what we can do. Or is there anything else that we could change? So I appreciate that. Um, and I appreciate you asking. But I do think, you know, I already accepted a job. And, uh, you know, I have the start date and everything. I feel I feel pretty settled in it. Um, but I appreciate you uh, looking out for that. All right. Uh, I understand. Um Okay, well, you know, this is definitely going to impact the team. So uh, why don't we... Okay, that's the alarm. That's the alarm. Okay, no, that's good. Um, So now the game's not over. It's just started. Oh. So now that was good. We did a good scene. So now we're going to do the same scene again, the exact same scene again. Only now we have 30 seconds to do it. So we got to figure out how to hit those same beats in 30 seconds. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Here we go. Uh, Hey, Emily. I just want to let you know that I'm putting in my two-week notice. Oh, I'm a little surprised to hear that. I thought you were happy. You know, I'm happy, but I just was, you know, I've been doing so much machine learning. I really want to do more analytics. You know, we have analytics in some parts of the company. Um, what if we try to get you on those projects or is there anything else we can do? Uh, you know, I, I appreciate you asking me that, but I think that I really, I've already accepted an offer. I have a start date. I really think it's best, you know, I, I, Ended. Oh, and that's our time. Okay, so that was 30 <laughs> seconds. And now we're going to see we're learning how to do things. So now we're doing the same scene in 15 seconds. Okay. Okay, you ready? Uh, hey, Emily, I wanted you to know that I'm putting in my two weeks notice. Oh, I'm surprised. I thought you were happy here. I am. I just like doing analytics instead of machine learning. We have analytics projects here. Is there anything else we could get you doing that would make you stay? I already have a start date. Okay, so that's 15 seconds. This is getting more frantic. Okay, and then we're going to do five seconds. <laughs> okay, you ready? Here we yeah. go. I'm putting in my two weeks notice. I'm surprised, thought you were happy. I just want to do analytics, okay? And, okay, that's five seconds. And the last one is three seconds. <laughs> so we're just going to see where the sun is. Okay. okay, ready? I'm putting in my two weeks notice. Happy, surprised. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it, okay. <laughs> Um, so that was the game. <laughs> Just massaging us to send it to weirdness. Um, I think what was I was not expecting was how you and I, with no context whatsoever, could actually perfectly simulate what quitting in a data <laughs> science position is, yeah, right? Yeah. And partly, honestly, I was moving because we didn't talk at all about like your boss potentially essentially making you a counteroffer, asking you to yes. stay, which is not uncommon. 
Um, although it is sometimes a little annoying. It's like, especially when it's around compensation, I was like, oh, now you're like trying to pay me more. Um, but yes, I think we've both been in the, on, on, well, I haven't been on the manager side, but you have, uh, but we've been in this situation enough. I think we can. I've, I've never been a manager and tried to make a counter offer to someone. I've, oh, I have a hundred percent. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I, yeah. I have, I'm of the opinion that if you are quitting, you're not quitting, like imagine you are you are willing to jump to an entire new company with all its risks, unless like oh your current company with all its reasons to leave is going to ask you to pay more to stay. Like it's just that's not going to work. I don't think. Yeah, but um, people do. Know. Managers do give it. Like, and I've I've seen that. I agree. I think it's often not going to work. One either from the side of like the person will accept it, and then two it, again with this like business jargon advice I've heard is like never accept a counter offer um, and stay at your employee because part of the idea is, okay, they, now they know that you're planning to leave. And so maybe you'll start getting like frozen out of stuff. Yes. Once I put in my two weeks notice and I said, that got said, Hey, can you stay a few more weeks? We think we can resolve a lot of the core issues that you had. And I did stay a few more weeks. Didn't fix it. Like it didn't, didn't my core issues are not resolved. I'm like, I'm like, well, this is kind of silly. Right. Um, right. And if you've been honest with your manager, like we were advising, right? Like it's like probably, you know, the issues that you have can't, can't be fixed. Right. Or it would have been fixed yeah. by now. You brought it up. I, I do think there's a world where counter offers can be useful, but I think what you do is before you, if you're interviewing somewhere else and right. they make you an office offer, you go to your manager right that day. You'd be like, look, I've been interviewing other places out because I think my cop is low. I just got an offer for, you know, 30% higher than what I have here. I would rather stay here, but it's hard to turn down that offer. Can you give me that same raise? I think that could work, but that's way different than I'm putting in my two weeks notice yep. and them going, no, and I signed the other offer. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Ah, cool. Um, yeah. So you might have noticed, right? Uh, this is episode fifteen around, or well, I guess technically on the podcast or whatever, it's like episode seventeen. So we've had two bonus episodes, but this was about chapter fifteen, and there are only sixteen chapters in our book. And we've mentioned like season one of the podcast at the intro. So what is going to happen to the podcast? Well, listeners, we still obviously have chapter sixteen. We're planning another bonus episode about managing your manager. So if you enjoyed the managing stuff in this episode, you'll like that. And we're going to do one on the epilogue. But after that, we're going to plan to take a break for a little bit because we really feel that we've covered a lot of great ground here. Um, we've had a lot of fun doing it, um, hopefully provided some value. And we think, you know, um, we, we've sort of said once we'll reach this end of this run, I think we've said all that we we wanted to say for now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we got a couple more episodes and I think the epilogue one will be really fun. Yes. It's like, so what have we learned? Um, <laughs> I also, if you do be like, man, I wish Jacqueline and Emily talked about topic XYZ, like just email us, let us know. Like we are open to what a second season of the show might be. Um, but we want to make sure it's thoughtful and not, Hey, let's keep the, let's keep the same thing going even after the original purpose has completed. Um, and so we want to be thoughtful about it. So we're very interested in feedback. Yes. And so you can uh, reach out on Twitter at Sky Tetra or Robinson underscore yes. And then our email is podcast at bestbook.cool. That's right. Yes. So please do, you know, after the run, like Jacqueline said, if you're like, oh, but I saw this burning question that wasn't answered and I listened to all the episodes. Yes, please do reach out. Um, and, you know, maybe we'll make another podcast episode. Maybe we'll make a tweet thread about it. Maybe we'll make a blog post, right? Like knowledge comes in Who all knows? forms. Who's to say? Yeah. Or maybe Who's just want say? us like chatting about pets or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> pet extravaganza. Yeah. Pet extravaganza. That can be season two. Um, yeah. All right. But <laughs> build your pets in data science. Yeah. <laughs> 
we did have uh, the pet game, so there's some, uh, oh, yeah, some that's right. material there. All right. But with that, that's our show for the week. Check us out on our next episode as we discuss uh, three paths for like once you're a data science, like what else is out there? Independent consulting, being a principal, being a manager. Uh, so final chapter. So thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review. If you have questions or feedback, you can send us that email podcast at bestbook.cool. You can buy a copy of the book at bestbook.cool and use code buildbook 40%. That's four zero percent symbol for 40% off. Our theme song is by the extremely funny Matt Bouchelle. And thanks to our publisher Manning for helping our book exist. And may your AWS instance not accidentally terminate halfway through your training job. <laughs>